Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Omaha Dines podcast. I'm Sarah Baker Hansen, the World Herald food critic. And I'm Matthew Hansen, Sarah's dining partner. And this week we decided that we wanted to tackle pretty much one of the most, I don't know, well-known, most talked about topics in the Omaha dining landscape. And that topic is steak. Yeah, you can't really do an Omaha dining podcast without dealing with the uh, I was going to say elephant in the room, but giant Hereford. <laughs> sort I don't of know. like maybe, yeah, I guess you could make a cow <laughs> reference. I was going to go for dinosaur, but... <laughs> dinosaur, <laughs> yeah, weird. really big. <laughs> the, um, just the idea that when people think about Omaha, they think about steak. Right. When somebody travels to Omaha, they look for a good steakhouse. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you feel a question or, or sort of what do people ask you about when they ask you about steakhouses in Omaha? I would say the question you just said, I'm coming to Omaha, where should I go for the best steak? Uh, that's really common. And if you look back through the history of what I've written over the past seven and a half years, there are so many things devoted to College World Series, where should I get a steak? Right. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway meeting, where should I go? You know, those sorts of times. And then just random emails that I'll field from people yeah. who are just like, I'm coming to town. What do you like? Because really, we were talking about this earlier this morning. You know, there are old school steakhouses. Then we've got kind of the newer steakhouses, which we're going to talk about. But really, it's you'd be hard pressed to find a middle of the road to nicer restaurant in the city of Omaha that did not have a steak right. or you, some you gotta, type of beef on its menu. Yeah. Well, and, and it's an interesting sort of universe to me of the steakhouses. I mean, when people think of Omaha steakhouses, I think they're often thinking of the old school mm-hmm. places. I mean, the place that Warren Buffett likes, the, the right. place that you've been going or your family's been going for generation. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny from an outsider's point of view, when I moved here, I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I'd obviously been to a lot of steakhouses, been to a lot of small town Nebraska steakhouses, mm-hmm. actually. But, you know, the first time going to Gratz, the first time going to Cashio's, it's a different animal than, right. than people from outside Omaha might realize. Yeah. So the, the sort of the remaining landscape of the old school places. So Johnny's in South Omaha, Gratz, that's Warren's favorite, uh, Cashio's on South 10th and Anthony's on 72nd Street, which has the giant bull yeah. outside, hard to miss. How would you define those as different, though, from your just sort of normal steakhouse in, you know, Portland, Oregon or Portland, Maine? Well, I mean, you know, Johnny's Cafe opened in 1924 sure. in its current, you know, state. So it was, you know, part of the stockyards. It was really part of Nebraska's kind of like, or Omaha's like Yeah, well, very Omaha institution in that case. Yeah, yeah, it's an institution. And a lot of the other steakhouses, you know, were opened by Italian immigrants. So the Italian steakhouse, that aspect of it, I think, is singular to Omaha in the old school spots. Like, you get the spaghetti and the hash browns. You get like, they ask you, do you want potato? And then they ask you, do you want pasta or mascacioli or green beans? Which that was kind of like you in the rest of Nebraska, where you go to steakhouses, that's not a thing. You don't get a side of pasta. I was so blown away by that when I moved to Omaha. I mean, I did not, I didn't realize that it existed. And I just thought it was honestly pretty strange and still think it's pretty strange. I mean, it is. I mean, if you want a carbo load, if you're running a (laughs) half marathon the next day, it's perfect. But, you know, steak is, of course, part of those places. But then so is like veal parmesan. Right. Or like uh, they all have spaghetti and meatballs. Like they all have like the Italian classics on their menu as well as steak. So yeah. you kind of get like a two for one deal. And it's, 
you know, obviously due to that history. And these places feel, I don't know how to, I mean, they're obviously all different and it's, it's kind of a disservice to pretend like they're, they're, you know, sort of the same place, Mm -hmm. but you walk into Johnny's cafe in Omaha. I mean that it just screams authentic old school at you. I, I don't even know how to define what the place is, but I can tell you that it is the only place like it uh, in Omaha. And oh, I don't know yeah. when those places were redone or, but it just has this kind of rat packy to me, like, you know, the, the lounge at Johnny's mm-hmm. is a perfect example of a place like, well, we just have been transported back into right. a, another time and another yeah. Omaha. And I think, you know, and this is something we'll talk about also a little bit later in the show, but I think it's really interesting to think about like the history and how Omaha, these old school Omaha steakhouses are compared to some of, I guess you could say, like the next generation right. of steak in yeah, Omaha, yeah. which in some way takes the meat itself so seriously. Right. I mean, it really goes from, you know, being about half Italian food and some sort of like singular side dishes that you don't get anywhere else to just being like an a la carte waitresses. Steak. Yeah, yeah. And like, like neon lighting. Yeah, and, uh, and just a lot of like heavy on the kitsch value, right. but like not set up to be that way. Just that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, for 90 like no, years. I, no irony intended. No irony at all. No irony. But, you know, that's part of what makes them so fun. Yeah. But then, you know, you go to like an 801 chop house and it's all about this kind of like array of meat. And, you, you know, the focus is really on that. There's no spaghetti on the menu. Yeah, and an 801 Chop House is more obviously a place where you can find it different places in the country. Right. It's not singular to Omaha no. in any way, but it is it, like when we were talking about the constellation or the universe of Omaha Steakhouses, it's the old school places, mm-hmm. many of which have closed, some of which are still open, right. like Johnny's, like Cascio's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, R.I.P. Piccolo Pete's, R.I.P. Venison. Angie's, Mr. C's. Like, Mr. C's was another one of those iconic, you know, Omaha spots, like Johnny's. Like, it had this. Let's talk about that for a second, because (laughs) that was one of the first Omaha Steakhouse experiences I had. I mean, just describe to people what the, if they haven't, weren't, didn't go there, what the inside of that place looked like. Well, maybe you should describe it. I can't really, I mean, what I remember is a billion lights. Yeah. And like, uh, some sort of winter wonderland so, type of you know was the, there a train the I, I, yeah. don't, I just yeah. can't remember so they they uh the original mr c's opened in the 50s and i think i actually might have this in my no i don't have it 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 could seat 1400 people between the inside Holy and the crap. outside you so serious? yes i almost absolutely on camera <laughs> when you said that i changed it to crap absolutely at the last gigantic you know had this amazing kind of outdoor garden with like fountains and statues and and just everything about it over the top right and at some year i don't know exactly what the year was they hung up christmas decorations and i i hope i'm getting this at least close to right uh there was a waitress who worked at the restaurant whose husband or fiance was overseas and so the idea was they were going to leave the christmas decorations up until he came home and then they just never took him down did he come home he did okay yeah (laughs) but they just left him up because it sort of became this like iconic thing he's still deployed i know (laughs) i think he's 70 years he's no longer deployed (laughs) but it was just like one of those atmospheres that you just would never see anywhere else yeah um and you know honestly i don't really remember the food 
I remember yeah, the I don't atmosphere. remember anything about the food. That's I know funny. they have the Italian staples. You yeah. know, it was a Coniglia-owned operation. I mean, and just like Piccolo Pete's, uh, you know, at one point you got Christ crosswise with I them did. because you described their, what they described as a mirror ball yeah. as a disco, disco ball. ball. Which evidently is was insulting, yeah. but the you know it's the same thing. It's like you walk into these places and it's just it is so it's it's the word iconic yeah. used in a weird way. I don't know how to a- accurately describe it, but it it just was Omaha history like right in your face yeah. in in a really fun, sometimes a little bit gaudy, sometimes a little bit over the top way, but a way that real Omaha's really really connected to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, I think a lot of the people connect to it because they know it's tied to the history of the city and also tied to just the food. I mean, yeah. the food has such a, a nostalgia to it, especially at the old school places, um, that you just don't see menus like that anymore. You know, And so I think that's what, one big reason why people are so kind of tied to it and why it means so much, I think, to where the dining scene in Omaha has gone. Like, yeah. You, I feel like you can kind of track the passion that Omahans have for restaurants and food From those, yeah, to those steakhouses. Because so many people have like... They, they have the same memories that, you know, I have growing up of different places. But, you know, well, I mean, you used to go on uh, Christmas Eve, right? You used to go to... Uh, we used to go to... Jericho's. Jericho's, yeah. Right, which my, isn't as old, but it's still yeah. an older school right. steakhouse. My birthday's on Christmas. And so when I was a kid, very few restaurants were open on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. And so Jericho's was one of two restaurants open. And so we went there every other year. And we were just there a couple months we ago. I mean, there, it's the sort yeah. of things where you can keep returning to those kind of traditions and it's yeah. really fun but yeah. I, one of the disservices I think it, Omaha does a little bit when we talk about steak and steakhouses is we we remain a little bit too firmly stuck in the past yeah. there's nothing wrong with any of these old school places they're all fun to go to some of them are really good and mm. we'll talk about sort of which are our favorites later but you know there's a lot of newer modern steakhouses that have, have sort of taken what these old school places did and you know transformed it into the 21st century. Yeah. I mean, just last week, uh, live on Omaha Dines Now, I reviewed Jay Gilbert's, which is a Kansas City-based steakhouse that just opened a location in Omaha. Um, And it sort of, I think, is really, it was interesting because in a lot of ways it was traditional, like decor, you know, sort of vibe and feeling. It adopts things from those old school places that still work really well. But then it updates the menu in a way that is appealing to a more modern diner, maybe a younger diner. And it does things like seafood in a way that aren't, I mean, you know, sometimes at those old school places, some of the close places, that could get a little bit horrifying. I don't even know if there is seafood. Oh, the second time I ever (laughs) went to uh, Omaha Steakhouse that shall remain nameless, we had some sort of coupon. <laughs> it was it was for catfish. It was like two for one. It was during Lent. Two for one catfish. Mm-hmm. We're not even Catholic. No. <laughs> but I don't know why we got that. <laughs> that that is not advisable. It, it Stick wasn't. To it, the it wasn't a good move. <laughs> but the so so you can go to the newer places. I, really, I don't know what the newer places do, do not have catfish <laughs> on the menu. A if they and did, B, it you would, know, it would they be. do seafood really well. Yeah. They do sort of sides really well. I mean, 801 is a is another example to me. Um, Monarch, obviously, which we'll talk, we've talked already about on the podcast yeah. and we'll talk more about later. You know, that's really a very modern and, and singularly Omaha in some place too, but a very modern take 
on uh, what a steakhouse is or right. can be. And we haven't even mentioned probably most Omaha's favorite, which is the Drover. Yeah. Um, and I reviewed that in December. By the way, a little update on that. Uh, it is going to be reopening this spring. It had a fire in December. Um, What's I, the target I date? I believe you know? the target date was sometime in March, so it should be soon. But, you know, the Drover, again, is sort of, it's one of those places that it doesn't have the same atmosphere or vibe as the old school places, but it has its own kind of feeling that I think is just unique, yeah. truly, to the Drover. You know, it has, and I don't, I don't really know, I guess kind of cowboy, but this like golden lighting that... Golden, you, golden you, cowboy. I wrote in my review that you just you cannot take an Instagram photo in there. It's just it's, you can't. Yeah, it's you not cannot, built for the age of bring, social media. Like, this light shining <laughs> yeah, on yeah, us yeah. to like get a decent photo of a steak <laughs> in there. They just they don't care about that. Right. You know, and that that sort of I think in in what I do now, and I'm always taking photos of food and like doing social media. It's like kind of refreshing to just go there and be able to. Put your phone away and just kind of enjoy yeah. the experience. Well, and you've written about it before, but the the ice cold plate that you pick up when you get the, the salad, salad bar, bar which obviously like comes with your meal. I love it so much. You get the ice cold metal plate and then not metal. Yeah, metal. It's metal. And then you you know heap iceberg lettuce, which yeah. is the only choice no, of lettuce no that you're going to get. Greens or like locally grown. No kale. <laughs> no kale on the on the Drover salad bar. Zone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just... I it's, mean, I just glop the Thousand Island dressing here. That's yeah. the only place I do that. I don't allow myself to do that anywhere else. But when I get to the Drover, I'm just, I just all about I it. I just make sure to fill up on that delicious that iceberg Dorothy. lettuce so I don't have any room for my <laughs> bone-in ribeye. Well, and it that, doesn't that help that they bring that. you that loaf of bread. Yeah. That's like a full loaf of this like wheat bread with this like whipped butter. And you just want to eat all of it. It's yeah. so good. It's funny. I mean, it is like you can tell what we're doing right now. Like the idea of this was like, oh, we're going to talk about history some, and then we're going to talk about like sort of modern steakhouses. But you start walking down memory lane, yeah. and that's why these places are so important. Yeah. Every Omaha has stories there, even visitors. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you come to Berkshire Hathaway in 1987, and you went to Garotts, and you remember that probably yeah. still today. And right. probably if you come back for Berkshire, you you probably go mm -hmm. there again or go to a right. similar similar type place. Right, totally. And, you know, I think we talked a little bit about 801. We men I mentioned Jay Gilbert's. And then there's, you know, a few other ones out there that, like, you know, well, we talked about the Drover, obviously. Like Mahogany, for instance. Right. I mean, it is a chain. So we understand it's, that it's not yeah. necessarily part of this history that we're talking about. But, man, what a solid steakhouse that place is. Yeah. I, and, I mean, all these places, all the modern places yeah. except for high-end places except for Monarch pretty much that I can think of are chains. Well, they kind of stick to the tra traditional kind of what I think of as like the Ruth's Chris model. Right. Like you order a the steak a la carte. and then all the sides are a la carte. And all the sides are, you know, big portions. So they're right. meant for sharing. Um, and I think both of those places, 801 and um, Mahogany, they both subscribe to that method. Yeah. But, I also have reviewed Mahogany. Good service. Yeah, wonderful. Really, like, like good wi old school whiskey drinks. Yeah. yeah. Don't try to, you know, order anything but like a Manhattan or an old fashioned. Yeah, well, they do. But they both have good cocktail yeah. lists. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're, they're places that are at a really, a really high level of restaurant service and quality yeah. in a way that you can't deny. Now, these places are expensive. Right. 
So it's it is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Going to Johnny's, you can eat for you know twenty five thirty bucks. Yeah. Going to these places, you're not getting out of there for less than a hundred dollars or At close least. to a hundred dollars yeah. a person. For sure. So that's a different idea, yeah. and it's a little unfair to the old school places to yeah. to compare them to eight hundred one where right. things are triple the price. Yeah. Let's talk for a few minutes about kind of. So we've talked about the steakhouses, and at the very beginning of the the show, we talked about how. Almost every restaurant in Omaha has a steak on the menu. Right. So, you know, whether it's like a filet or it's a, you know, a burger made with Wagyu or, you know, there's always some sort of like nod to that. And I think that's really interesting. Like even when you go to M's Pub and you look at the specials menu, there's always some sort of steak on there. You know, and and this leads me into I feel like you know telepathically where I'm going here. Um, That's why I brought it up. I, <laughs> you're teeing me up to like get pissed. Yeah. The 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 growing up on a farm, growing up on a Nebraska, you know, uh, cattle uh, and corn operation. Um, I never understood and still do not understand the fascination, the singular fascination with steak. Mm-hmm. Like steak is a little overrated. I know that's going to be a <laughs> shocking opinion. It, it's just. It's not, it's good, you know, but sort of viewing steak as the end-all be-all of high-end dining is to me deeply problematic. And it's because I grew up with T-bones from our farm Mm -hmm. in the freezer. It wasn't a special occasion for me. And it's interesting to think of food that way. Like when you don't get something very often, it becomes, you know, the, the special thing. Whereas if it's always there, like for me, Pork. Right. Pork is the special occasion food. So when we go to a nice restaurant now, that's often what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the sirloin or whatever. Matthew and I had this, pretty much this exact conversation last night at a party. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We talked about it for like two hours. we talked about it for a really long time. With other people in the conversation. We're not going to talk about it for that (laughs) long. No, no, no. My sort of like counterpoint to Matthew is that I did not grow up on a cattle corn operation. I grew up in a West Omaha suburb where steak was reserved for my birthday at Jericho's or my dad's or my grandpa's birthday grilled mm-hmm. like those were the times we had steak in my memory i don't remember very many like tuesday nights at the baker house where uh t-bones were well, i don't i don't yeah i'm you not suggesting I mean? we're no, having filet mignon on wednesday saying, at noon i'm just saying that you <laughs> you said yeah. that you had it it was a more regular thing for you yeah. it wasn't like a special occasion right you know so it wasn't that for me so i think you know and even now this is kind of demonstrated in when we go out to eat um, if you read my reviews, you'll you've probably noticed that I if I see, for instance, like a a steak frite on a menu, I'm ordering it. There's mm-hmm. like no hesitation. It's right. like the first thing I'll get, or maybe you know I there's no way I would skip it. Yeah, because it's just one of my favorite things, and it's interesting too. Like when we break down the Jay Gilbert's review. Uh, the second visit, I got steak frites, and you got the Wagyu burger. Right. And then the first visit, I was the one who had the filet, and you ordered the ribs. Right, which so, were amazing, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they were great. I'm not, like, dissing No, no, it's just all. shocking. I'm just saying it's, like, it is. That's you know, an example like, of a steakhouse doing the, other stuff really good. Right, but it's, like, the exact example of what you're saying. Like, yeah. it wasn't your first in- inclination to go for, like, the bone-in ribeye. Like, you just wouldn't choose that first, whereas I will always choose the steak and I think that's really interesting and I think you know even last night at the party when we were talking to people there was like one person who had grown up in Omaha like me didn't have like availability 
and then there was another to growing up to a lot of beef and then there was another person who had also grown up right, on, on the a farm, farm yeah and like knew exactly what you were talking about yeah so i think it's a really interesting you know sort of like contrast within nebraska and kind of within omaha of the differences in the steakhouses as you travel across the state which we've done um and kind of what you see on the menu and and how people interact with that yeah Totally. Yeah. Uh, should we stop here? Yeah. So we're going to uh, take a quick break and we're going to come back with our first ever Omaha Dines guest. And we're and then later in the episode, we're going to pick our favorite steakhouses in Omaha. Yeah. So we'll be right back. So we are back for the second half of our show. Uh, we have our first ever guest. It's my friend and restaurant owner, Paul Kulik. Uh, Paul owns Le Bouillon in the Old Market, which Matthew and I hang out there quite One a bit. One of the best restaurants yes, in Omaha, it's fair our, to say. <laughs> in our spare time. And uh, also co-owner, is that right, yeah. uh, Via Farina. Um, so we're going to talk to him about steak. Before we get to that, just wanted to remind you to sign up for my free weekly um, Omaha Dines newsletter, which comes out every Tuesday. Um, you can find a link to do just that on omahadines.com. I have no idea what I'm writing about tomorrow, so it's going to be a surprise <laughs> for you and Clearly me. It Maybe be it steak. should be steak. So yeah, we'll see. Anyway, so we had a couple questions for Paul, and then um, we're going to get back into the steak conversation. Yeah, and it's weird. We've had many uh, late night conversations with you at mostly Mr. at Toads, <laughs> um, which I don't know if we've ever talked about old school steakhouse. We've definitely I, we it's, have it's, to. We've touched sure upon we have. it. Sure. But my basic question for you is: when you think of steak in Omaha, when you think of steakhouses, what does that mean to you? How do you define that? Well, I mean, there there are two sides to it. One is I think I grew up in maybe an ill-fated time for restaurants in town in that the glory days had sort of gone past. Right. The restaurant scene in general kind of was, a, I think, a hollowed-out shell of... We're talking the 80s here? 80s, 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> where, um, and this is with, with you know, kind of re- due, due respect to the to everybody involved. I just, I think that the creative energy had waned. I think there wasn't, there was a period in the 70s where there was a ton of really interested and motivated and driven restaurateurs and restaurant people and like anything, I mean, if that energy isn't constantly nurtured and pushed forward by a community of people who are either professionals or, or, or the public, it just kind of wane. And I think that's kind of when I came up and I came up as a diner and I came up as a cook and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the part of it to me is like there's the old school places, but old school places, I mean, you think about, I, I think I missed out on, I missed out on maybe the, the old school. Like certainly the heyday of those the places. The heyday of the yeah. garats and the, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean the, we, the were, kind of we had a list here earlier where we're looking and um, like Ross's, for instance. Right, know, yeah, sure. Ross's, yeah, there's a great, I never even got to go great, there. Yeah. And they closed in 96. Yeah, So right. that was when I was way too young. To well, know. so if you remember, there was the panic because the casinos came to town. Right. And that was going to shut down every steakhouse. That's what everyone said. In the tri-county tri- yeah. tri- area. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, and they had the added advantage of roulette. At the, <laughs> they, at yeah. they, they had the slot machines. <laughs> they came with slot machines. And so, yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know. I mean, old school, I guess there's nostalgia. And I think when we yeah. when yeah. we have a beer in hand and we're talking about places in town, we talk about it from the appreciation of nostalgia, probably not from the Epicurean delight right. no, right. that totally. was there. And, you know, I mean, Mr. C's with the, you know, the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whatever the Christmas miniatures lights. and when you, when yeah, you came in yeah, the, yeah. 
the the front door and the how statues many statues yeah, outside statues the, <laughs> the weird i don't know glued stone yeah facade to every nook and cranny in the yeah. grotto in the back we were talking about just how great. insane that place was yeah, sure and sure. i think the only place really that even comes close to it now is johnny's like mm. the kind of overwhelming kitsch yeah but like not meant to be kitschy just right. like the way it is well you know so so part of i think what is missing in the discussion of the old school places and again this isn't about the steak per se but at the atmosphere mm-hmm. is that restaurants were just i mean temples giant incredibly ornate intricately designed spaces and you know if you do go to the forgotten omaha facebook page you get you know, glimpses again oh, yeah. of like old restaurant spaces. It's like they're all gone, but they were just unreal. And you know, you couldn't. I mean, it's just there's no way to do the marble kind of decorative no. <laughs> decor yeah. and and the things that were available well, to people. You, Mr. C uh, Mr. Sat, C's <clears throat> sat fourteen hundred diners. I mean, like, like, can like, you imagine? <laughs> no. Like if you open a place I mean, now that's like hundred and fifty people, oh, it's I mean, like so gigantic. Right? Fourteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just wrote, like one. Service so night after last another. week I wrote about Jay Gilbert's and yeah. it seats two fifty. Yeah, and yeah. so and that's, Johnny's that's huge is now, what right? like eight, what four times well, that? Anthony's more that than big that. Too, I think yeah, they have I mean their, those are yeah. just massive. Sure, the size. Sure, and sure. imagine like the yeah. staff and the food you would have to have and right. just to you know on a Friday and Saturday night like those places were absolutely packed. I think that tells you something about what the kind of dining scene was you yeah. know it was pretty conventional you didn't get a lot of 40 seat chef driven no, you know that wasn't that a wasn't, thing, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. you know they were giant food factories and and to the extent that that is emblazoned and kind of what the Omaha food and steak identity is um, it's just a it's just a matter of fact, and so, you know, I think what what I missed out on were the stories of you know the this the particular that the the way that they would hang the cows at garrots, right? You know, and then like in the basement. That's the story. Yeah. You know, and and those are things. I mean, the dry aging programs in general, which is completely, mm-hmm. I think, fallen by the wayside. Certainly on the like on the half, right? That's gone. Yeah. Um, but you know the stockyards are gone, and mm-hmm. a lot of the, the infrastructure that used to make that possible right. was already gone by the time I was coming up, mm-hmm. and so it was being replaced by, you know, the the sons or daughters of the people who had the relationship with the right. restaurateurs in the previous generation, but maybe who had moved their packing houses to like 108th and L, and maybe didn't <laughs> yeah. have that you know rickety truck that would show up at the old right. market or whatever. You know, it was a different kind of thing. Yeah. The rickety um, truck is very key to the <laughs> success of these places. I've seen some interesting <laughs> but that might still that may still happen. Who knows? So, well, in in you can take the transition question because I'm okay. interested. I'm now like really excited about right. talking about how you get from that mm-hmm. kind of sort of near death period of Omaha restaurant sounds like to to now as it will stay. So I guess, you know, that kind of is the question. But also, I really have become interested in how do we push this history forward into something Mm -hmm. new that maybe fits more with what our dining scene is now and what diners are interested in, in experiencing. So from your perspective, chef, restaurant owner, what do you think the answer to that is? Well, just a little bit of context. Um, you know, it's funny because anytime there's like a, a growth, there's an adolescence to that growth. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think there's been a tremendous amount of restaurant energy yeah. in town. You know, the city's trying desperately to kind of like a lot of peer class cities trying to find its identity to, 
you know, you can argue that's part, that's tied into the brain drain, that's tied tied into the economic, the nature of ec and, and economic thriving economic um, environment. You know, that that wants to attract people, uh, that wants to attract young people who are upwardly mobile, who are well educated and well traveled. Mm -hmm. I mean, food is now, I mean, restaurants in particular are now the number one. I guess the cultural centerpiece that, yeah. that, yeah. that they're looking for. You know, it's it's not maybe the the galleries and the and the theaters maybe that you would think of. Again, when I was coming up, it's like, hey, I'm going to Chicago. You know, like what show are you going to go see? Yeah. And right. what galleries do you go no, to? That's what not, restaurant. That's not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's where not, are you going to eat? Yeah, it's been replaced Check by where you eat or heat. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you know, restaurants play such a key role in that, and yet we also have this identity as a steak town because right. anything that's written outside of town that describes Omaha is either. It's not just steak anymore, yeah. or hey, check out these old steak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's it's like true. the only identity piece we yeah. have. And so the adolescence, what that means is, and I, I was really, that really struck me. I was in a kind of a kind of a food tour going on, you know, just like a binge in Kansas City. And Kansas City is a barbecue town, and mm -hmm. so, you know, you go to like a dozen places in two days, and and uh, you try your best to avoid the barbecue. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm not gonna have, but every place has a barbecue right. dish on it, right? yeah. and you realize that. Probably the best dish that they're serving is the barbecue version yeah. of whatever it is that they do. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like so deep, like that Casey masterpiece yeah. is so deeply <laughs> pumped into the bloodstream in blood. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of every like <laughs> Missouri and Kansan that comes to. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, you can't escape it. And frankly, you shouldn't escape it. I yeah. think at some point, it's kind of ridiculous to say, um, for Omaha, that is, that, you know, steak should be irrelevant to the point of the menu because right. we're trying to explore. We're trying to, you know, broaden our, our mm -hmm. culinary horizons elsewhere. And that's part of it. But um, I think it's the adolescence of rejection. It's yeah. like, you know, I want to carve my own identity right. and I'm not going to just kind of go the easy path. And part of it is just, and this is already beginning to happen, that people just re-embrace mm -hmm. the fact that we have really good raw product right. at our fingertips. And then, sure enough, that, that then turns into something special. Right. I mean, I think we can't really have this conversation without talking a little bit about Monarch. Sure. Um, which is, I think, probably the, the top of mind place, at least for me, that is doing this in a really serious and cool way. Definitely, definitely in its own way. I mean, you know, um, uh, so, so, so the way that Patrick works is that he, you know, he's very stern about what kind of product he wants to get as a just a raw right this is the chef at Monarch. yeah yeah um and then the aging regimen that it goes through mm -hmm. those are all very deliberate he also has tools to do that he has a venue to do that so it's kind of the place that's all put together yeah. and then there you know there is a chef mind behind what he's trying to accomplish and so the whole delivery mm -hmm. is more like restaurant with like this dry aged right. steak component that is adjacent, even though it's much easier to sort of focus on that right. on that yeah. piece of it, and so that's definitely a great example of uh, you know a modern steakhouse or or a different take on what the mm -hmm. sort of the basic steakhouse template is. Yeah. You know, if you think of chop house or steakhouse, what that what that means. So like here, I think we have the grand tradition of the Italian steakhouse. So that's mm -hmm. the place where it's. We all know it. It's you know you get the steak cut, whatever that is, plus you know four different starches, <laughs> you know, baked potato and the masacholi. Yeah, and the, gotta you know, have that masacholi. Um, <laughs> like I'll never, 
Oh, I love that. Uh, oh, what's the the movie with uh, Stanley Tucci and um, Campbell Scott? Big Night. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What can I say? It's she liked the Star Trek movie. <laughs> <clears throat> um, if you haven't seen that, by the way, and you love food, you I, have to see it. I haven't seen that. Oh my god. I mean, am I qualified to be on this podcast anymore? I don't think Do I so. have to you, leave? You have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Your CV has big dented. Just yeah. Everyone's like, well, we're stopping listening now. Uh, no, everyone's going to go like rush to Netflix <laughs> yeah, and see if you can get. I don't even know if it's on there. I don't know. But it used to be on there because but it, yeah, I watched it on there. For sure. But it's the, it's the, I think that was the restaurant's dilemma, you know, right. trying to figure out how to please the masses, but also maintain integrity. And I think mm-hmm. that's mostly true although the public's come along now and actually yeah. the public is interested in this subject and and so maybe that you know that's a false dichotomy nowadays mm-hmm. but yeah I, I guess the more you see the creative outlets of the chef driven places that embrace the fact that we have mm-hmm. we have steak available how do you how, how would you say you deal with steak at bouillon well it de- you I mean, always have a steak on the yeah menu? we always do and you know we do it in, in a bit more of the you know the the Gallic way, you know, we use like a hanger steak, which is by nature a more flavorful cut. It has the onglet, the French call it onglet, and you know, it, it's where it sits on the animal kind of gives it an extra kind of oomph for flavor. And uh, it has a ropier texture, but it's a really kind of tender piece. And so we like to work with that. And um, and, and how often, I mean, what, what percentage of your diners are coming in and they're going to get the steak? Like, what, how often does that happen on a given Pretty night? common. I mean, it's, you know, in part it's there for the guests, but in part it's also a, a natural part of dining. I mean, right. I think that having that having that available, I definitely, you know, and I, I hope I'm not projecting this whole, like, adolescence, but I definitely went through a phase where it's like, no steak on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no yeah, steak. Yeah. And... Um, because I'm the number one victim of the things I want to keep But, but, but yeah, I think you know. It, so you find stuff. You find stuff that fits whatever it is that you're yeah. doing, and you treat it the best that you can. Mm-hmm. Onglet is not a steak that you dry age. It does not lend itself to that. In fact, um, when it comes off the animal, it's pretty much, you know, you you wet age it for maybe a week or so, but you don't want to, you don't want to put that on the mm-hmm. on a, you know, in a refrigerator. So, so that's kind of uh, a different approach, but I think everybody can kind of figure out their own way. And I think, you know, sourcing is always a key part of that. So, you know, to the degree that we're able to work with producers, and that means, you know, anybody in the restaurant business is able to get directly Mm -hmm. kind of to the heart of who that is. It doesn't matter who the intermediary is. If you can get to the producer kind of with questions, with comments, with suggestions, the closer that connection is, the better off everyone right. becomes. And, and that also lends to its own, or leads to its own inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, steak is one manner by which we can take beef and convert that into a, you know, into a dining experience. But you can take beef as a sort of basis and then just figure out how many different ways that can be delivered mm-hmm. into interesting ways, in interesting ways to the guest. Right. And, and I think... You know, steak to the degree that Monarch is working with a dry aging program, I think that that's one thing, although they have sort of their spin on that. There's nothing to stop anyone else from doing that. There's also the cooking method methodology that was obviously Mm -hmm. like a big thing in the chop house universe. Yeah. You know, the degrees of blah, blah, blah that the broiler is and how that works. Yeah. 
I think if you go to 801, they would say that they're every bit as deliberate in how they source and cook their I'm meat. I'm sure they are. But it's a, a, it's just a totally a different, different approach. Different approach, yeah. yeah. I always think of V-Merts uh, and how, you know, they always have the pepper steak. Sure. And that was like their kind of sure. classic thing. Yeah. And it doesn't appear on the menu anymore, but you can still get it. Heck yeah. So it's so interesting Don't to take me. hummus off Bouvette's menu. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Don't take pepper steak <laughs> off hummus. Like, hummus is the steak yeah. of Bouvette. Okay, anyway. anyone else who is still listening now, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, there's always that kind of, it's always there in some form. Yeah, but it's it's central to the kind of the old identity of, a, I mean, right. V. Mertz is great because it's a restaurant that, that dates back to the 70s, the late yeah. 70s, and mm-hmm. has gone through so many different iterations. It's at, you know, it's at a really good place right now yeah. from the back end front of the house and really doing some interesting things. And I think they too understand the realities of a restaurant that's predicated on its reputation. Right. Whatever it is that they're doing now, mm-hmm. a lot of the traffic comes from the reputation sure. and that precedes it. And there's just some guest that's just always going to want that. There's and so, probably more than one. Yeah, yeah I'm sure there are. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are. Yeah, there's 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 a number. And and honestly, like there's, you know, that kind of that you know the turnitos in in the pepper sauce or yeah, the pepper yeah. brandy pepper cream sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, you know, that's a, a dish that goes right to the heart, sort of like, like right to the heart of 1978. Oh, you know? yeah. So also right to your heart, probably. It might <laughs> yeah, stop your heart, yeah. probably. There's probably that. Probably something to that. Who's thinking? No one's thinking about that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you serve it with steamed vegetables. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just fine. <laughs> that makes it healthy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to run through our top threes as we've started, you know, to do in this podcast every episode. Yeah, and this is an interesting one to me because it was a lot harder. Like the first time we did top restaurants of 2018, the second time we did romantic restaurants, I didn't have much of an internal debate about those places. I took a long time trying to figure out top three steakhouses. Mm. And I think it's because they're so different, right? Yeah. You have the old school places, you have the chains, you have the nicer, so, mm. sort of more expensive spots. And we're not even dealing with kind of Omaha restaurants like Bouillon or like Ocurant. Um, or uh, Grey Plume that that obviously do steak, yeah. you know, really well even as a part of a wider steak on the menu. right. I mean, so we're not even dealing <laughs> with nuts, you know? outside sure. of the steakhouses. Sure. But yeah. uh, uh, do you want to go first, or do you, you can go since you're oh, talking? Oh, okay. And my <laughs> list is, I I feel like it's. I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's wrong. I I don't know. I'm very <laughs> unsure about this. But um, my third uh, number three is uh, mahogany, yeah. which is. It's in West Omaha. It's a chain. Mm-hmm. It's a place that I actually haven't been to that much. Um, but, you know, if I'm going to be honest, when I went there, I was really uh, surprised mm-hmm. by how much I liked it. And, yeah. and sort of like I would definitely consider that as a place. It's a special occasion type place for us uh, in our sort of journalist uh, income bracket range. <laughs> but it is, it's, I don't know, it just did things really, really well. Yeah, it does do things well. Have you been? Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I kind of put, you're West O kid, right? I'm Midtown yeah. now, oh. current Midtown, not like 50th, but like 90th. No, I mean where so. you yeah. grew up. Yeah, mid 90th, yeah. okay. not 50th, yeah, but yeah, 90th. Yeah, yeah, the new Midtown, yeah, yeah. which what, is probably actually 120th. Yeah, yeah, so. I was gonna say I grew up in Midtown, 120th. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how long it's been open though. Uh, I don't want to say for sure because I don't know, but I think it's been open a few more you know, than 10 years. Yeah, at least a decade. It's funny because I, you know, for, um, 
I'll say this, I think they'll be okay with it, but Paul and Jessica from Block 16, they love that place. Mm -hmm. Like it is their special occasion mm -hmm. spot and they just go there and they love everything about it and they have, you know, they've had great experiences and they, they're going on about it and how great it was, was actually what made us go there. Yeah. When it's sort of, it, it, and again, it goes to the heart, like, there are a lot of things about it that I would be biased against. Yeah. And, and when you can go to a place like that and think, you know, oh, I'm probably not going to like this this much. I mean, and then you're really, really pleasantly surprised. I think yeah. that's why it's on my list, yeah. because it was unexpected. Yeah. Um, my number two, another chain. Uh, <laughs> I'm really Matthew. violating a lot of my closely held. <laughs> I, I should pick the Palace Lounge from Red Cloud, <laughs> by the should. way. I, I can't believe it's not on my oh list. Oh, my gosh. Um, We're literally uh, this discussion Omaha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, unless Prime really nights on Thursdays, guys. We Red can make Cloud. it. Um, <laughs> number two is 801. And again, it's a place that is, uh, you know, a place that we're not going to go every week. We're going to go once or twice a year. Yeah. But it um, it does everything, I think, really, really well. Yeah. It, it has that nice steakhouse vibe. It has the friggin' golden calf or whatever it's that. It's like a golden bowl. steer. Yeah. It's huge. I don't, I don't it's remember. Way than I haven't the calf. looked underneath it lately. But it's a bowl. It's a bowl. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how you missed that, but it's a bowl. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. I keep my eyes up. Um, okay. And, we're down to like two listeners. <laughs> but they're getting a heck of a show. They're really loving and, it. And uh, my number one steakhouse, not a chain. Old school-ish place. Middle-aged. Yeah, and a place that I just choose because I just love going in there. And the steak is also really good. It's the Drover. Yeah. I mean, that's the place. If I'm going to go, if I'm going to tell somebody <clears throat> from out of town, where you, where should I go to an Omaha Steakhouse? I say, you got to go to the Drover. You got to yeah. check it out. And it straddles these lines, interestingly. It's not, you know, old school uh, Italian, mm -mm. Um, but it's also not 801 or mahogany. Mm -mm. Um uh, it's pretty expensive, but it's not as expensive. And I don't know. They just do things really well, and they do it in their own way, and yeah. it, it's kind of timeless, and it's always packed, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. All right, I'm going to fire through mine. So number three, the winner of the Steak Food Prowl, which was a few years ago, mm. Brother Sebastian's. We have not mentioned it. But yeah. You Man, walk up, how do you not mention that it place? It is so 70s. Also, there is monastic chants playing in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a theme. Just, it's a theme restaurant. It's a theme restaurant that somehow made it through it, the yes, theme restaurant the era. Theme restaurant era. And when I was a kid, and maybe you remember this too, like in the early '80s, there were like other theme restaurants in Omaha. I'm trying to remember what those like, were. There was one. Uh, well, this is for another show, so I, there yeah. was one I remember. But yeah. I'll see if you remember it. But I'll tell right. you later. Uh, anyway, it's really good, and I like it because it is so retro. And like it has all these separate dining rooms and every single one has a fireplace and it has one of those same iceberg lettuce salad bars, except it's bigger. And we went there, I don't think it was a special occasion. It was just a regular, like a Wednesday night or something. We were out west and we were like, let's go over to Brother Sebastian's. Absolutely packed. We had to wait in the mm -hmm. bar for like 40 minutes mm -hmm. to get a table. So again, it's just kind of like one of those, like I feel like that one is a little under the radar but it has a really Clearly strong not. following. Clearly not. It's on a, it's on a different the, radar, maybe. The yeah, strong yeah. following yeah. of people who live around it, I think, yeah. really support it. Well, monks, clearly, yeah. monks, is who's like going there. The, yeah. Cistercians. <laughs> I think that place is strange. I, I mean, I just got to say, like, it's a, it's a strange it's a yeah, strange but spot. I mean, I mean, really, all of these places, are, the old school places, are a little strange. Pl places that are strange but survive 
the fad yeah. become like a coup de coeur. Like yeah. it's something that you sort of always go to. It's like, oh man, this there's this it's weird. You, you, the weird drops out and it's like pleasant or attractive. You yeah. Know? And, and that, that. I love. But if you if you missed if you missed the window of the fad, yeah, it just sort of remains weird. You wonder like, why are there chants playing yeah, in the parking right. lot? Well, and it's such yeah. an outsider. Like, for me, moving to Omaha and like what the hell? Like, you go to a place like that, and it's like, for Omaha's, it's like, yeah, that's Brother Sebastian's, but think about it with new eyes. You're like, well, what is going on here? Let's, let's, this let's, is a strip mall, like, parking lot where there's monastic chants, yeah. like, Gregorian chants. But, yeah, but even, thank you. Even beyond, even beyond that, you, you have know my the fact that it was, it burned to the ground yeah. and was rebuilt, like other restaurants in town, almost like an archaeological experiment, an yeah. anthropological, like, we're going to gonna rebuild exactly it. exactly like it was. Identical yeah. to what was there before. Because yeah. it was perfect. What a crazy history. Yeah. Okay, number two, I've already talked about it. It's not going to surprise anybody. Monarch. I think that their dry aging program and the result of that is fantastic. And I really love it. I love eating there. And I think their dining room is just fantastic in a totally different way than any other places. But, mm. you know, talk about like a singular look. They've done it, but in a new way. Okay, number one, also, same as Matthew Drover. Yeah. I grew up going there. I love it. I, you can read my review online and get ready for when it reopens because it's just great. Sure. Paul doesn't have his list written down, so he's going yeah, no, to gonna I'm going to I'm going to wing it. I think, so. so in the dilemma of trying to figure out what, how do you go and sort of, say that there are three steakhouses and they're doing a better job than everybody else. And it's like, well, um, that's tricky because um, there are different steakhouses for different reasons. Yeah. yeah and we sure. talked about and that earlier. The differences in price point is crazy, That's too. a big part of it. But also, like, what's the specialty? Like, you didn't mention Jericho's. But right. I mean, like, you go, to, you go to Jericho's for prime rib. Yeah. You yeah. know, just because, like, that's... That's what they do. I mean, that's also what they tell you that they do, but it doesn't hurt that they do it... They do it really they well. They do it well. In their kitchen, so, they have that, like, whole shrine I mean, that's, to that's, prime rib. That's a good indicator <laughs> yeah. of what you should be ordering off the yeah. Don't get the lobster. Yeah. <laughs> get the, get the, so, yeah. you know, yeah, don't get the chicken parmesan or whatever the, <laughs> that they Veal. have. But yeah, but the... Um, so, I mean, that's part of the issue, and, and you bring up the kind of the chop house in the chop house experience. Yeah. Which would be, you know, like the Flemings, the the um, Solvens, uh, uh, yeah, the mm -hmm. rest of it, Spencers, right. Yeah. And by the way, I think you know Glenn does really interesting. Yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah. Well, so what Glenn is doing that's really interesting at Spencers is that he is clearly someone who's a student of his job, and so he's always pushing what he's trying to accomplish. Now, how much of that gets onto the menu as part of the regular run of service is a different story, but you can't you can't mistake that there's someone who's leading that ship mm -hmm. who is so devoted to sourcing the best quality, learning about what that means, yeah. finding that and in, introducing that into the, the, the menu. Um, and that's, that's worth something. But of all of those kind of put together, um, I think of the chop house style, you put 801 because it has the environment yeah. right. that not actually gold, but like paper mache, whatever. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't <laughs> figure it was actually like, gold. Like, it's worth seven million dollars. They, they built, they built a, no, solid gold. I, you know, it says something when you put like a gold centerpiece. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, is that metal? It's like tong tong tong. <laughs> yeah. So number three, number three for me would be because the chop house is sort of executed almost to perfection. Yeah. Um, 
in terms of an archetypal experience, we'll put 801 okay. as number three. Um, I think number two, and this is this is a bit of a, I'm, I'm torn here because, you know, you talk about personal, personal ethos. So a chop house to me is where you kind of luxuriate. It's a place where, you know, it's just like, of course, of course, we're going to get the extra whatever the truffle thing. Is, whatever, <laughs> yeah. Um, then the other thing, and, and they do care about making sure that they get the prime grade beef. And so that's very yeah. intentional. And that would be true at Mahogany. And that's true at 801. That's true. At wherever you go, yeah. that's going to be the case. They're going to get the best quality commodity product that they can get their fingers on. The problem with number two, and it's on all our lists, is that it doesn't concern itself really with where the product right. comes You're from. talking about right. the drover. I am. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they slather it with the whiskey stuff, and it's like, and it's a grill. I'm sure it'll be clean now, but probably hasn't seen it. <laughs> <in the show. laughs> you know, since... It's the fl- that's since it the builds I, the flavor. Yeah, right, <laughs> since the Nixon administration, so, or whatever. I, maybe it was Carter. Um, but, you know, but, but that's, uh, you know, that's... It is charming. And again, mm-hmm. I, to me, a steakhouse has to be kind of immersive. And that's the dilemma of doing that, you know, the steakhouse thing. And maybe I'm taking the steak conversation and just shoehorning it into steakhouse. Maybe that's part of the problem. No, that's, I mean, that's But that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Um, is that it has to be steak forward. The restaurant has to be kind of steak forward. Yeah. Um, because as both of you pointed out, there are great steak dishes to be had elsewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. No, without question. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't help but feel like you've walked into a different time and space. When oh, you walk yeah. In, walk you the go door. in there, you're just, it's like you are in a, you're in a vortex or something, and you don't think about anything else. You're just, you're bathed yeah. in the golden light of beef. You're, you know, <laughs> golf casual. Like, the, the, that casual. kind of clothing yeah. hasn't really changed much <laughs> in the same time. So you really, yeah. I mean, they have the same people behind the bar, the same yeah. guy running the, mm-hmm. the, the store. So... So all of that kind of is timeless, and um, and I appreciate that, and it's certainly good enough to be included, and because it also has maintained its uniqueness, it yeah. didn't try to rush to copy something else that yeah. was successful, yeah. some other mm-hmm. model, it kind of, or it was the holdout of that kind of thing, because that's a you really know, good point. Pl- it this, yeah. knows exactly what it is, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. completely comfortable with with its identity as a restaurant. Yeah. I don't think they've probably changed very much right. in the in well, the decades honestly, that they've been open. They? I mean, it's so I guess, yeah, popular. why argue with success? Right. And, but. you know, I mean, that's another conversation for another podcast, how hard it can be for successful restaurants to change in any way without creating a mass sure, mutiny. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, M's pub dilemma, yeah. as it's known yeah. in Omaha. A victim of your own success. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if you were to trace the history of that, I actually, that was my first restaurant job as a drover, and they considered it a down period because the heydays of the Exarban were behind oh, it. Yeah. And so that was really where they built that restaurant was around people who'd won big at the at the horse track and then yeah. they'd go and get a steak. And, and How old were you? Uh, 15. Wow. Yeah, i take the number 72 bus down from prep. <laughs> That's amazing. wrap potatoes and dip onion you rings. You were the potato wrapper? And, and the onion ring guy. So. <laughs> Their onion rings are good. If you go there, well, you can't go there now, but when they reopen, when you go there and you see the kid who is probably 15 years old wearing the khaki 
slacks and like the little like the polo shirt he's like that's probably a prep kid probably 50 years old it's like, i know you i used to be so, you. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah the dishwasher like blaring like king's x in the back um all right but, number number yeah, one so, steakhouse so number one i'm, I, I'm dying to know yeah, what this is i think too. it's it's not going to be too underground i think just by virtue of the work that um Patrick's doing at Monarch. I think you got to give him a ton of credit. He's got a venue to showcase what you know what that intentionality yeah. is, and and I hope that's an inspiration. Not that other people decide to be as deliberate with the dry aging mm-hmm. program, because I don't think that a dry aged steak is necessarily the best steak. But um, you know, I hope that somebody can kind of equal that level of intensity and, and intentionality in in a different kind of manner. Mm-hmm. But um, but what he's doing right now is pretty great, and it's really worth exploring. Yeah. So I think that's probably where I put um, near the top, for yeah, sure. I agree. It is so nice <laughs> to have a place that's like, okay, we're going to take what Omaha is known for, and we're kicking it into the 21st century. It's going to be a cool place to hang out. It's going to have a great cocktail list. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just a good restaurant on top of all that. Like you said, I mean, they're, they're doing other stuff besides steak that's that's really, really good. So, yeah, for me, I mean, I didn't even put it on my list, which I feel weird about now. But for me, it's a place that deserves all the kind of attention that's that's coming its way because it's 2019. And it's it's trying to be 2019, not 1979, which is interesting. Yeah, there's a certain piece that, and you know, and sometimes like, sometimes maybe the first to market isn't the one that is the most like commercially successful. But you can't fault it for all of its for all of that energy and for all that that focus. I mean, you know, it's it's the Drover doesn't really put any more energy into researching how to do what it does better. Right. But I mean, that's a that's a fundamental part of, of their MO at Monarch. Yeah. You know, that, that, whether it's 2019 and going forward, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think... The, the thing that's sad to me, and just to sort of, like, quickly do the, like, the forlorn Omaha diner, is that you don't have the, the great... Like, it's, a, it's unfortunate that there isn't, like, the Peter Luger equivalent in yeah. the place right. that, you know, just crushed, crushed it because... You know what they do with their porterhouse is unequaled and and can draw from you know you know and there used to be places like that. I mean this this book kind of details. Yeah. There used to be places that you know got the best fatted calf from the from the from the you know the stockyards and they you know and they had people coming in from all over the country because of their noteworthy product and yeah. wine list. And by the way, the book so. we're talking about is called Lost Restaurants of Omaha and it's by Kim Reiner. And um, Paul was mentioning it before we started. It has a lot of stories in it about kind of some of the old school iconic sure. eateries of all. My God, where are we pimping somebody else's book? Sorry, podcast. we're just. I mean, we're just talking about it. We have many books that we've written that are also very good. Uh, Kim, I'm sure you're nice, but, but it's funny. Like, <laughs> don't buy don't buy our book. Uh, yeah. Well, when you said when a you whole said library, the, uh, yeah, restaurant yeah. lore. When you, when you said the story about not having steak on the menu, it actually reminded me of a story I wrote about a restaurant that's now closed but was in Scotts Bluff um, called oh, the, the Emporium. Emporium. Mm. And they did the same thing. The, yeah. the woman who ran it, Sarah, was like, we're not having steak. And sure. it lasted like three weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, you this. just can't do it. That's, that's, 
So but it, it, you also have to ask yourself whether it's worth doing. Yeah. You know? Like if you were. What's the let's, purpose? Let's of say it? you built a restaurant on like a pier, uh-huh. in, you know, on off the coast of Washington. Yeah. You're like we will not put seafood on this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. No seafood on this restaurant. <laughs> right. It's like right. well, that seems like a bit of a loss. Right. You know. Yeah. So, so what? that I think is is. The ideology there can really get in right. the way. And this is something, so just a quick cautionary thing about people who are very intentional about what they do and very deliberate about what they do in the restaurant, even when it comes to like dry aging or whatever else, it's cautionary because ideology does sometimes get in the way of just a really, frankly, pleasant and delicious thing. And I think that has a lot to do with why mahogany is at the top of the list yeah. because you're not, you're, you're not there for a lecture. You don't want right. a treatise on what you should be eating and... You know, no finger wagging there. It's just mm-hmm. like, let me sit back, unsnap my belt buckle. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just bring on the, bring on the. Did you see the video of me dining there? <laughs> <laughs> There's a Patton Oswalt bit about uh, you know the Black Angus Steakhouse, which is kind of you know what I feel like. That's what the dining at the Chop House is like. Totally. Well, thanks for joining us, Paul. You're our first ever guest. We're excited to have more guests and more yeah. conversations. Uh, thanks, if you're still listening, for sticking with us. <laughs> this is a big topic, so this week our podcast is a little bit longer. So we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks a lot for being on. My and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks. <laughs>